Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 99%. My name is Jesse Vondracek, and I'm here with my host, Marilyn. Hey, guys. Marilyn, <laughs> you want to tell us a little more about yourself? <laughs> oh, we actually want to hear something about me today. We have a special guest on today, so I feel that's not very important. I'm Marilyn Chakota with Marilyn Chakota Coaching. Glad to be here today with our special guest. Of course, as you know, you can find everything about me on my site at mcc.coach. Lots of fun articles there, all the podcasts that we've done, and anything that you want to find out about my coaching. Awesome. Thank you. Good job. Um, but yeah, we are both super excited because we have a guest on. He was top American and fourth at the Ironman World Championships. And yeah, we're pretty excited to to pick his brain a little bit about the race and his prep leading up. So give everyone a, a warm hello here. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, looking forward to this. Awesome. And I guess I should introduce you by name as well. We have Chris Lee from oh, yeah. here with us. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I mean, let's just dive right in. I'm really excited to hear um, how the race played out, like kind of from, from your vantage point. We all got a chance to at least watch the coverage and follow the tracker. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear how it went kind of through your lens. Um, yeah, it was, it was the hardest course, the hardest race, the hardest field. Um, everything about it was the hardest I've ever had in my career. And um, I'm just so fortunate that it all uh, ticked together for me in the end. Uh, but I think everyone else felt it as well. It was, it was full on um, from the start. So it was just that aspect alone is something that I could, you know, really be, really be proud that and confident that I was able to get something out of it with um, as difficult as it was, but is um, yeah, I don't want to do that again. I was going to go to race Frankfurt. I was planning on going to Ironman Frankfurt and I had a, had a, a, a interview with Bob Babbitt for the race. And I'm like, no matter what happens, regardless of any result at St. George, I'm going to race Frankfurt at the end of June. And then the next morning I have another interview with Bob. I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm racing Frankfurt. <laughs> I do not want to go through that much pain again. Uh, but yeah, it was, I think it's a great course. It's a good challenging world championship course. Chris, um, first I want to say totally like congratulations. I was, it was really cool to be out there on the course and, and watch you race and be there in person. So, um, and we both have our dear friend, Justin Dare, who was there, um, out on the course, giving you splits. And of course your wife, Zana, and, um, you know, that was, that was really fun to actually see you in action and, um, watch you move through the field on the run. I also got a chance to interview you before the race. So, and, and we got to do that little article leading in with Torsten. So uh, it'll be, what I'd like to hear today is like, like you said, even with your interview with Bob, where the comparison to like, before we talked, then, you know, got to see you a little bit, you and Justin a little bit before where we talked about like the course and Justin was telling you about the strategy, rode the course the day before things that he was pointing out to, for you. And then like how it actually played out, you know, when the gun went off and you got out on that course, like all those conversations before, how did that actually play out, out on that race course? I know that when I, when I did see you on the run, um, there was the first time there was about a three minutes from the first 
Like there was that group of four that were all from first to fifth. They were, it was a minute between first and fifth. Mm-hmm. And then there was about three minutes to you. And by the time you came around on the second lap, you had moved your way all the way into fourth place. So that was pretty cool. Just how, walk us through all of that stuff. I know I just asked you like eight questions and one there, but. Yeah, well, that, that Torsten interview that you, we talked in probably mid-February, more or less early February. And I was just kind of, just started getting into training. I was super motivated. I was kind of on a high and just feeling good. And I told you, like, if I don't get injured, if I don't get sick, um, that's kind of my main goal. And with everything else will kind of fall into place just because I've been so plagued with injury in the past. And I know that if I have a good run or good lead up healthy, that it'll come together on race day. But with that said, I ended up getting the stomach bug twice. Um, and then I ended up getting a head cold while I was down in Tucson with Kenneth. Um, sorry guys for not reaching out to you because I was just touch and go day to day. I just didn't, um, yeah, uh, didn't know what I was doing. So yeah, I ended up getting sick three separate times, but you know, they say, you know, sometimes getting sick, sitting out five days, uh, helps to recover. It's like, well, I got sick three times and sitting out 15 days, you know, it's, um, had a botched race and challenged Miami. That didn't, that didn't do me any, any well for the head. So it was just, um, it kind of seemed like it was a rough go, but uh, getting out there on the course, um, I guess it's just good that I didn't have a 12-week injury like I have in the past. You know, not uh, getting sick isn't a stress fracture. So um, I was still able to, you know, do some moderate aerobic exercise while I was recovering. So it's not that I was just sitting on the couch drinking Dragoons all day. It just... Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Damn uh, <it. laughs> although um, no so it's I think that um, I'm glad that even with what I had to go through um, it, there's a learning experience that I not to fret that okay you're gonna have to sit back a little bit but it's not the end of the world um, but playing through on the race it um, you said that I was talking strategy with Justin and um, how did that pan out? And he actually had some really good strategic shit, um, uh, advice. And it was on that first out and back coming out of T1. We're coming back towards T1. And there's this long, maybe 1500 meter climb. And uh, just, I'm not a very good climber. And I know a lot of other guys are. Hoffman, man, he climbs like a billy goat. It's crazy. Um, and uh, he, was, he was one of the guys who, who dropped me. And I was, play the the next 20k just trying to catch him and burying myself and it was just every pedal stroke I'm like this is dumb this is dumb this is dumb just like don't do this what are you doing but I'm like but I, I need to be with those guys if I want any type of type of race um I gotta be with those guys so uh but it was that being in the front of the group as you approach a climb was the strategy and I think that was really specific for me because I know that I'm going to eventually fall back um, as the as the climb extends. If it's a little shorter, I can kind of muscle up it, power up it, and you know it's not going to change where we're at in in line. But being on the front of the group when it comes to an extended climb, and there were three points in the race that I wanted to do that. And in that first part, that was um, kind of a bigger deal because we're there are more people together. But then. So I really, as we're coming downhill, I really motored to get myself up front. 
and then I got to the front of the climb and then slowly got myself um, unhitched. But then later in the race, we kind of thin, thinned out as Lionel, Sebi, Hoffman, and I. And um, it really didn't matter too much. Um, Sebi is just such a smart rider. Um, he just rides the exact same watts all day long. Um, and even if he's on the downhill, which is hard to do, um, and uh, same on the uphill, whereas Hoffman, he kind of has a different style of racing and he he's, it just motors up those uphills. And it's just so hard. I was just playing yo-yo the entire day. And then Lionel, he eventually dropped all of us. So, but for a bit, we were all together. But riding with those two, it was just like I was yo-yoing. I was like, 25 meters, 12 meters, 25 meters, 12 meters. And then they were kind of moving around. We had we'd kind of shift a little bit, but there was very little I could do. I couldn't hide. Um, it was just riding hard all day long and surge. And then finally, finally catch up and then surge and then finally catch up. It's just riding with those two was again, another learning experience for me and just kind of seeing how, you know, the biggest names in the world ride uh race ironman and it was just something something to really learn from but i thought that strategy that justin and i talked about prior was pretty was really beneficial um i don't think much happened maybe from your guys's point of view on the descents i thought more destruction in the groups was going to happen but i didn't think it was that windy um i was solo on both descents sam long was kind of there but we weren't riding together um, but I don't think that that really played a role in the dynamics of the race. I kind of thought that that was going to really blow some people apart just because you have to descend in a crosswind, which as a cyclist, you won't think that'd be too hard, but triathletes, uh, tend to struggle with that sometimes. Um, some that's super interesting to hear you say that actually, Chris, because like from standing on the sidelines, when the group of four that came in first down that long descent, um, that was one thing I thought, I thought, man, in this win, the group of four of them were moving so much faster than the single, like I saw you by yourself, um, Ben was by himself. They, that group of four on the front, the speed that they were going on that descent as that group was like noticeably different. Hmm. And, um, so it's interesting. It's actually really interesting to hear your perspective of being in the race and being out there. Obviously I wasn't out there for all of the hills and climbs and all those uh, defining moments that you just mentioned. So, you know, it's, it's really like, that's why it's great to have these conversations with someone like you, because what it looks like on the, on the sidelines and versus what's happening in real time for the athletes is, is pretty different. And, um, it really did look like, the, the group out the front descending together had an advantage being together down those descents uh, versus, and could ride much faster. Like, and the descents were so long that I would think that that would add up to quite a few minutes, which would make a difference on that type of run. So, um, you know, that's, that's interesting to hear you say that. Well, you weren't, you weren't able to sit. There was no point in the race where you're able to, to relax. And I kind of expected a little bit because I, I rode those descents a couple of days before. And when it was a straight west wind, you're able to sit in. I, I was overspinning. So I was like, well, I just stop, stop spinning and, and tuck in and, and ride it out. Uh, but on race day, I think it was a south-southwest wind. And you're going, you're descending into the headwind. And you still had to stay on the pedals. And it just that entire course did not give any reprieve 
And I thought that's what was difficult. So if you were by yourself, uh, you had to work the entire downhill. Maybe that group of four had a little bit of dynamics to, you know, I th- you would be able to, with the south-south wind going downhill and your third wheel, yeah, I mean, you just, you're, you're probably not pedaling um, as, you're, as you're staying 12 meters back. So maybe they worked together a little bit. I don't know exactly how they did it, but, um, uh, but as, as if you're solo, like I was, um, it's, it was, it was difficult, but I thought it was going to be more hairy. I thought it was going to be more gnarly. I thought people were just going to be totally freaked out by uh, a gusty crosswind. And I didn't, that didn't seem to have the effect. <clears throat> Jesse, you still with us? Yeah, no, I'm just listening. Um, sorry. <laughs> I, started, like, um, I can only see Chris on my Zoom at the moment, so I'm like, is Chris here? <laughs> so, out of curiosity, and in, in I get you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but um, can you do you feel comfortable sharing your power numbers for the race? I uh, normalized three thirteen, which blew my mind, and um, went through. I mean, we went through the fit, the first 90k in almost two hours, and we finished in finished in 418, and um, so it just it. I mean, that is just scary fast, and I don't know if that's just the way you're supposed to ride it, or is this <laughs> is this Saint George specific? Um, I mean, Kona wasn't like that. Um, I've never had an Ironman like that. I don't think I think I've ever even had a 70.3. It's just it was really full on and i thought that I, every pedal stroke like i said i like up oh, there goes my run there goes my run there goes my run every time i search back up to hoffman and sebi there goes my run <laughs> just um just doing myself in but um the, so, yeah sounds like that was a little bit above maybe your your plan for race watts then but it was is yeah a lot um fortunately i was able to, i'm you know, capable of doing that, but, um, it just, uh, had I gone easier or had I waited for another group, the result would have been completely different. So I'm glad I, glad I hung on and I'm glad that I know I can do it. (laughs) There you you go. Yeah. That's, that's huge. Confidence is pretty important. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know I had a lot of conversations with my athletes racing before the race about being really patient and kind of being somewhat conservative. And, and I think I, we almost did that to a fault for some of my athletes where they were a little too conservative in the beginning. And sounds like you kind of did the opposite strategy where you just kind of went for it. And, um, obviously it worked out pretty well. So yeah, good on you for yeah, that, uh, being able to go for it at the, at the start of the race, um, Cam Worf there. I mean, there's a lot of us that came out of the water together together. And Cam Warp ended up starting leading the train, just you know, picking people off, picking people off, and and for a little bit, I was riding. I was just kind of on the, the back end of his of his line that he was pulling, and then all of a sudden, I saw Lionel just kind of slowly fade behind me, and I'm like, hmm, it's interesting. Why is he doing that? Is he not able to stay stay with us? Is he um, is he sick? Is he, you know, like what's going on? Is he being smart? Am I being dumb? You know, like I, all these things are going through my head, like, no, he should be with them. Like, there's no reason that, and I was all my, my mind was spinning. 
And then he eventually catches up to us. He eventually drops us and um, in Lionel fashion. And at the later in the con in the um, in the press conference, he said that he, um, he he said it was dumb to follow Cam Worf. And he goes, what how he was riding was just way too way too strong for an Ironman. He figured that he would have to solo TT the whole thing because it wasn't worth it for him to stay with Cam Worf. Um, so I thought that was that was you know smart for him at the end, um, but also quite a gamble to uh not stick to it but yeah that's that's interesting to hear him say that especially when at the beginning of the race all these thoughts were going through my head and was, but yeah no he definitely wasn't sick did you Tell um oh, sorry, sorry. i was gonna ask oh, if you kind of prepared for that scenario of of over biking especially at the beginning was that like something you were doing like preparing for in training um well I mean, uh, in training, you hit those numbers. It's not that I was training specifically for that, but mentally, I remember how Kona was in 19 and how the start of the race, how often I saw 400 watts in, in the start. And um, I was just completely blown away. And I'm like, there's no way in hell. I'm not going to do this. This is dumb. Everyone's going to blow up, you know? So then I dialed it back and um, wrote a conservative race. And so but all of those guys that were driving that driving that pace did well on the day. So that so for me at Kona 19, I was like, okay, this is how it starts out. This is how you what you have to do. Those guys are good and they're not dumb. So you kind of have to you have to do what they do. Um so yeah, that's kind of where my head was at. But mentally that's where I was preparing for it because sure. Um, I was ready to have to uh, dig and with what I have for that for that start. Cool. Um, I guess on that note, did you find the dynamics on the bike to be like similar to Kona then? No. Uh, no. Okay. No. Um, I mean, I was I was in two completely different groups, so I think it, it's okay. it's not it's not apples to apples. And also the course was different. Like in Kona, you get flat sections, you get consistent, consistent wind, you know, you can, you can get into a rhythm. I was not able to get into a rhythm one bit at all. Um, it just always seemed such, so dynamic, you know, you're just constantly shifting gears. You're out of the saddle, you're in the saddle, you're, you're trying to get as aero as possible. You're, you're surging, you're dropping back. It's just like this constant is just super dynamic. Um, so I feel with Kona, you can, you can get more into a rhythm. Tell us a little bit about how you felt like once you started that run and, um, you know, what a unique run course for an Ironman. I mean, I feel like, was there maybe 70 meters of flat, the whole run course, not combined. There's like, that's two little sections. <laughs> and it yeah. was, I mean, I'm from Tucson and it's blasting hot here. We're used to the heat and I, and I know it's different standing on the sidelines, but I was thinking, man, they were saying it was 90 degrees, but to me, it felt like the same as when it's like 105 in Tucson. It just mm. felt really hot. And I mean, you're either going uphill or downhill. And um, it even looked like people who are racing well were a little bit like, man, this is, like you said, this was hard. Like, 
yeah, like yeah. no one looked like they were like this is fast and fun it just let everybody look like this is really hard work um tell us tell us about that yeah i've always every race in my career i know how the run's going to go from the first 10 meters of running like even running through transition i know how my run's going to go based on how i feel coming off the bike in just that short amount of period so well, what is it that makes that you that tells you that uh, just the heavy legs or not heavy legs. Yeah, just the way um, my cadence is. It's it's really just even dismounting the bike. I'll know I'll know as soon as much as that. Um, and uh, but we also had a block headwind going out of well not out of well I guess going up the diagonal at St George. So you come out of T2 and you're heading up the diagonal and you're going straight into a headwind. And um, I just knew right then that you watched it wasn't going to tell you anything valuable. Um, so you really had to just go off of RPE. And, um, and I wanted to uh, run that first hill, the first climb, like embarrassingly slow, just, just because get a feel for it. It's such a long day. It was so hot. It was so windy. It's Ironman racing. I mean, Ironman racing in, in cool, cool cloudy weather just people are still going to come unhinged it's just you just have to expect that so i wanted that first that first climb to be pretty chill and get a feel for it and then be able to descend down still into that headwind and then turn around and then more more or less assess there but i was my feet were like super destroyed and it just um was really really frustrating I couldn't think of anything else my feet just I did these massive hot spots in both feet and um I really need to get that sorted I actually have a have had some issues with that but um but it only happens in racing so I can't like mimic it in training and be like oh that's it you know like oh I'll figure that out it's like <laughs> nope I can only trial and error in racing and uh so it's, it's tough Dang. but um yeah it's um, I didn't, I didn't chase anyone. I didn't, uh, I didn't hear a split and be like, Oh, I need to close that now. Um, I didn't, uh, just kind of kept my cool, kept the fluids in, kept the, the sugars down. Um, and I mean, that was really important. I was carrying, we had pro pro bottle stations, and I was carrying my bottle with me. I didn't just grab it flip it and then chuck it I carried it with me all the way through until the next one so I always had fluids on me throughout the entire run um whether or not what I had them in, in them um was you know maybe I could have had some extra salt I feel like I started to get a little crampy I, I mean I did start to get cramp cramped towards the end I was a little worried I thought I was going to be crawling across that finish line um but so yeah th things could always be better um but it's uh just I kept a cool head about it and I didn't I didn't try to gun it I didn't try to get fourth I wasn't like I need to get fourth or my career is over it was just stay cool um and I, I still think I, I still it still kind of had the vibe all day long all week long that it was a regional championship and Kona is still Kona and Kona carries the cachet of world championships so I still had a lot in my mind that, okay, get one of the slots, make it to Coda. And, um, 
I was glad that at the end of the day, I wasn't asking who's qualified ahead of me. What place am I in? You know, what place do I have to get to? Like, I did not want to be in that position. So I'm glad, glad I didn't have to seek that out. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. I think, uh, yeah, I guess I don't remember exactly when you moved into fourth, but I think basically straight off the bike, you were pretty much guaranteed a spot as long as you kept moving forward. eh? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know when I got into fourth either. Um, but I closed a little bit on Lionel and then, um, for a second there, people are like, Oh my gosh, you're closing. And he's scared. And I'm like, Oh shit. All right. Sweet. You know, I'll just, I'm, there's nothing I can do about it. I am completely blown right now. This is all I have right now. So there's whatever, whatever happens, happens. It's, um, so is, uh, I mean, there was a point, you know, maybe I thought I was going to get on that podium, but it, um, it, it got, it got tough. It got really tough. Yep. One of the questions that, um, you know, if you're willing to share with us that I know is on people's minds is from the interviews before we sort of unpacked that you train quite a bit differently than maybe some of your peers. And, and that is designed that way on purpose um, based on your history and the type of athlete you are and how you respond to training and those types of things. Is there anything that you um, would be willing to share with everyone listening as far as like, what does that look like? And because we hear a lot of about the, the classic way that a lot of the male professionals need to train for these races and a lot of that's out there, but you know, your strategy has to be different for you based on the way you respond to training. And, um, and it's, and it's quite a bit different than some of your peers. So we'd love to hear whatever you're willing to share with, with everyone on that and how you feel about that going in your races, how you feel like that plays out for you. And, and, um, in particular, even going into this race. Yeah, I think um, the biggest, most important thing for me is staying injury free. And like you said, my history and that I've really learned that that's intensity. And I, I, I really need to limit the intensity when it comes to running. And I think I am, I am pretty fortunate that uh, running comes quickly to me. It is something that when it comes, when I come off an off season or when I come off an injury, once I start coming back into running, I, I pick it up pretty quickly. Um, fortunately, but, uh, definitely learned, um, throughout, I mean, just, just these last couple years, maybe even less than, less than two years of that, just a, a lot of volume for me is better than the, uh, just constant weekly, um, intensity. And it's, it's definitely, you know, better, better on the body for me, but it's also less stressful. Cause if I see a tough track session, you know, like Wednesday track session, um, I'm dreading that all the way up, you know, all week long. It's just like, ah, oh, shit, you know, it's coming up, you know, I got, I have to start preparing for it Sunday, <laughs> but now I, I just don't have that anxiety around interval training. You know, I'll do some speed work while I run, but it, it's just, you know, 30 seconds here, 60 seconds there, kind of a fartlek style in a, in a, in an aerobic run. Um, and it's, you know, it's not super structured, you know, it might be a 20 minute warm up, might be 15 minute warm up, might be 40 minute warm up. I don't know. It just depends how I'm feeling that day, but it's, it just, the training recently with, um, with my new coach has just been super, uh, just less stressful. And 
yes, I'm getting the work done. I'm getting a physical stress, but it's, it's that mental stress that I really think has helped me um, stay healthy and having fun with it too. Like I, um, I enjoy long runs with some friends and I like long rides with the friends and just being able to, to always keep that in there. I do a lot of work on the bike though. I have noticed that it's just a lot of, um, uh, there's not a lot of fluff on the bike. It's either I'm riding long or if it's short, there's, there's work to be done. Uh, there's, there's no 90 minute spin for the sake of putting 90 minutes on my training plan on my weekly volume. Like that's another thing is it's the, there's a reason for everything to do. Um, what's like a general, volume, like what's a, just to put that in context for people, what's like, what's an average week, um, hours per week that someone like you, when you, when you say, say the word volume. Oh yeah. Which isn't that much, uh, tw- 20 hours. Um, I think my biggest, I, I had my biggest week, which is in Tucson, um, before I got 27 hours in and but I bet you through a year getting rid of without the off season of of the training year I probably average 18 to 20 hours a week yep um but yeah no it's it's good and like I said it's it's not stressful and I don't hate life I love the sport like I really enjoy that I get to do this. And that was another thing that was cool. Like I crossed that finish line. And I'm like, yes, I get to do this. I get to continue to do this. <laughs> I say, George, like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. It's all, it's all coming together. It worked out. So um, it's, yeah, I think putting, uh, putting, putting putting just random workouts on a person's training plan for the sake of filling volume is overrated. Like there should be a reason behind everything you do. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Jesse. Um, so when you say like, uh, like long ride, what does that mean to you? Um, again, just out of curiosity. Um, five hours. Uh, I did five and three quarter. Um, yeah, I have a loop here in Boulder that I do. I go up Risk Canyon, and that's about five and three quarter from my house. Um, but five hours, five to six, I guess, would be long ride. Uh, I mean, four hours is still considered a long ride, but I, I don't think that's what you're asking. I think you're talking about, like, what's your long ride? Because I think other people um, have different different uh, numbers. But, uh, but again, I don't do those very often. Uh, they're kind of maybe every every two and a half weeks, every three weeks. Yeah. So just a few of those say in like your St. George build. Well, I did one in Tucson. Well, it was a shootout. And then I did two here. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Yeah. I did risk Canyon twice. Uh, but then, um, yeah, I mean, it's those, those type of big rides. Yeah. Not a whole lot. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I find that really interesting because as I think we were joking about in Tucson, there's just like a lot of, a lot of people that do big training. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm always kind of, especially interested to hear what someone like you is doing and like seeing it being successful where you're not doing like two five plus hour rides a week, every week for 
12 weeks leading into a race. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I used to do that. That was, that was a lot, but then I also got broken down. So maybe, maybe if I did that and I didn't break, it would be another story, but it was, it just wasn't for me. So for me, being consistently healthy is far more superior than trying to do, than trying to drill that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just kind of proved that your, your strategy is working. So I don't think you should uh, change it. <laughs> um, you kind of mentioned there was some other intensity on the bike. What, um, yeah. Could you, if you don't mind, can you kind of walk us through what that might look like in a week? Like, do you do like some threshold work, a long ride, and then some VO2 and that you only ride the bike three times or. Yeah, I don't do a whole lot of VO2. Um, I did do a stint in COVID, like I did like a, a VO2 build, which was pretty cool because it was just, oh, it's something I've never done before. And it was, it was actually pretty fun. Um, but I haven't really done too much of that. Just kind of stick to zone two for a bit. And then once I, once I hone that in, then you, you start working then zone four. And then once I hone that in and then get close to the races, then I start um, doing a little bit more zone three and which zone three, I guess the 70.3 efforts zone four um, well above that, but uh, kind of go back between two and four. And then as you get closer to your races, uh, more specialized in that, in that zone three, three area. And, Again, it's not super stressful. Like I'll do, I'll take 10 minutes in between intervals. I'll do, um, yeah, it's, it's nice. You get the work done, then um, uh, regroup and then go back at it again. So it's, uh, the zone two stuff is actually the most demanding, I think, even though it's technically the easiest, but it is, it's, it's a big, big effort that, um, uh, I feel like I've, I've gotten pretty good at it throughout the years. I haven't done it in a while. Um, but, uh, going into Kona, I definitely did quite a bit of that, but, um, once you get metabolically fit and able to handle it, uh, move on to the next thing. Nice. Um, and just kind of hard because you're kind of constantly on the gas a little bit the whole time. Is that, yeah, it's just annoying. Like you just, it's just long, and you're just, and you're never riding with someone, or if you are, they're behind you. Um, so you're not. It's just boring, and uh, but you got some tunes on, and you're constantly eating. That's kind of a good thing. Um, and you get to, and it's just such a big caloric burn. You come home, and you definitely earned it. Uh, you uh, that 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 uh, extra dinner or extra dessert. So. Um, there's some perks about it. I also really like that. It's like my only opportunity to stay arrow too. I think that's something that I struggle with. Like you look at other people's positions and it's like, damn, man, I want, I want to look like that. I just still feel like, oh, good to do. Here's Chris Leifman coming along, <laughs> headed up in the air. Uh, you don't look like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it. I look, see some pictures. And I'm like, what? Uh, but, um, yeah, so those only two is I feel like that's kind of my wind tunnel testing as well. Uh, my real time wind tunnel because out here in Boulder, we're so we have so many stop signs, stop lights, traffic, you know, trying to find the right roads to be able to to hammer out long segments like that. 
So now I've, I've found the right route, but it's the same route over and over and over again. But because of that, I am able to, like, I, I know, you know, how long it took me to get to here, how long it took me to get to here. Okay. The window's this, the window's that. Like I've, I've um, pretty honed that in and just been able to work on my position. So I feel like that's a pretty good benefit as well outside of, you know, trying to just get fit. Um, try to get fast as well. That's awesome. Yeah. So what, what's, what's next? You said, you, you said, uh, absolutely Germany, no matter what. And now you're like, absolutely <sighs> not Germany, no matter what. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh man. What is next? <laughs> yeah. I'm actually racing 70.3 Marbella in yeah five days. So I'm going to fly over to Spain and race on the 21st and, uh, go to team camp in Mallorca on the 22nd. So a good opportunity for us to get some more face time. Uh, we get the team together, uh, sponsors pop over and, uh, and it helps my orca. It's sweet. So <laughs> I have not complained. Uh, then uh, bounce around in Spain for a bit and then race 70.3 Elsinore. So I was going to race Frankfurt, which is on June 25th. Now I moved it June 26th Elsinore. So I'll do a half instead. So still have my Euro trip and um, get two, two races in. Nice. And you feel like yeah. recovery has been just a little bit harder from this race than, than other Ironmans you've done, just the, the difficulty of the course and, you know, how hard that day was. It's just um, a little bit harder to recover from overall. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty similar to other races. Uh, I thought it, I thought it was going the downhills were going to destroy us even more uh, on the run. But talking to the other racers, too, it wasn't as daunting as we had all perceived. But, yeah, no, it's, it's similar. I don't think this course is any any much more different in a recovery standpoint. Um, I feel I am doing better than I had thought. Uh, usually after an Ironman, I take time off. It's my opportunity to have some beers, hang out with the friends, um, kind of let the diet go. But because it's, it's in the beginning of the season, we still have the entire season left, you know, at the end of Kona, you're like, all right, I'm done. You know, you check out, but we still have the entire season left. So you have to still, you know, stay on, uh, be race ready for the most part after this. So I was pretty good with, um, you know, just not, not letting go. Uh, I did have a few cocktails with my brothers because everyone was there, had a little bit of celebration at St. George, but got right back on it. So I think that has helped uh, get me along and feel a little bit better along the days. So, that, means, shit, that means Justin's getting that 24 pack of dragoons this time. Is that, Do you know, last time I came up to, came up to Colorado from Tucson, but 48 cans of tall boys, a dragoon and brought them up there and we're going to split them. He got one. I know he told me that's why he texted me and he said can you bring me some because last time and I said well I can't promise more will get to you and he said well as long as I get two it'll be more than the last time <laughs> I had 48 cans of Dragoon sitting on the passenger seat as I was driving back from Tucson the whole 14 hour ride and uh yeah we were gonna split it but hey it's his fault he should have came over yeah he should have came over yeah no kidding fair enough <laughs> Um, do you think that mindset of having it be kind of like early season and knowing you do kind of have to get back on the gas 
helped helped you recover because you're kind of like mentally engaged in what you're doing that week after instead of say after Kona where you're like, yeah, I don't I don't need to worry about like hydrating or whatever. I, I can just kind of tune out and and maybe feel like crap for a little bit longer. Hundred percent. Absolutely. Yep. Um I mean we didn't have any after party at Hugo's on the Rocks. Uh it was you know, you went to awards and then you went home and or went back to your rental in St. George and it just didn't have that that same vibe. I think people may have, you know, sat next to the pool and had an umbrella drink, but that, I mean, that's it. There was, it, every, I think everyone kind of had that mindset. So, um, and yeah, it's, um, I mean, Kona's Kona, you want to, you know, go out with a bang. So it's just kind of interesting and no one knows what's how to do it in St. George. One, one St. George kind of has, has, different laws than uh other states in the, in the nation but um no one knows the area well enough to organize something i guess so yeah did, didn't have that opportunity not complaining either yeah no one likes to wake up hungover it's a uh, it's good to hear your perspective from you know saying that stuff because i had actually talked to uh, kelly who's you know chief editor at triathlete the day after the race and she was asking me did saint george have that same vibe as Kona and you know I talked to all of my athletes of course and being out there on the course so it's it's good to hear like across the board everybody although they did a wonderful job at St. George and it was a really special race and you know really kudos to Ironman for giving everyone that opportunity pro is another opportunity to race and earn money and do something special and they didn't just sort of can it but the the you know standard across the board has been everybody still you know, Kona is it, you know, Kona is the mothership of our sport and where everybody's hearts are really in it. And that was a question we were all even asking through COVID, right? And remember, I remember us having COVID conversations about like, we don't really know how this is all going to play out until we're a couple of years down the road. And one of the questions everyone was asking was, you know, is our sport going to end up you know, changing the world championship where it evolves around the world and around the globe and those kinds of things. And will Kona become, you know, can we move Kona? That was a big conversation for a couple of years, you know, could, could the world championships move from Kona? And I think through the process of COVID and being forced to have a world championship Ironman somewhere else, I think we can firmly say we have our answer to that question. You know, it's, yeah. we can look back on that and say that I think as a whole, <laughs> Um, from professional athletes to amateur athletes to industry people to coaches, we all feel like Kona really is is where the heart is of our sport and where the passion is and where it's really, really special. And so, you know, two years ago when everyone was asking those questions, like anything, we have the answers now, you know? Yeah. No, I thought I thought it really came together. The, the days before, like I said, it was, it seemed like a ghost town and if you go to um, Alihi Drive and pre- before the race, it is bumping. And St. George did not have that. But on race day, it definitely pulled through. And I thought the run was was significantly better spectated than Kona's run is. And because you get out on the Queen K and it's, you're by yourself. It's, it's desolate out there. They don't even allow spectators out there. It's dumb. Yeah. So... Uh, the St. George course I thought was significantly better. I mean, you want the spectators on the, on the bike, on the run course more so than the bike course. Um, uh, so th- they definitely pulled through. And even on the snow Canyon 
uh, Parkway before, which is the, the in-town stretch before turning up Snow Canyon. That was packed. There are so many people on that. That was sweet. And you do not have, you don't even have that in Kona. So there are so many aspects about the fans there at St. George that was better than Kona. Um, and logistically, holy crap. How awesome was that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, those buses that morning, I thought, geez, I can't even imagine 3,500 competitors and then all of the support and then all of the staff. I mean, <laughs> just the small camp that we run, we know logistically, it's like, you know, you got athletes together, it's like herding cats. So I can't yeah. imagine, you know, what they put, you know, that amount of people who are, you know, high stress from all over the world together is, yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. So yep, really absolutely. cool. Awesome. Um, let me fire one more training question at you before we totally wrap this up. Um, did you do anything particular in your prep for this race, like because of the race venue or because like, I guess anything different because it's a world championship or because of like the timing, or was it just kind of like training as usual to kind of put your head down and go and then see what you have on race day? Well, I went to Tucson, um, stayed with Kenneth for 10 days. So the goal there was to get some heat training in because St. George could either be blazing hot or it could be windy and stormy. Like it's, it's so unpredictable, but I think it's always best to err on the, uh, the heat training side of it. And, um, and it's Tucson. It's, you go down there and get a bit of, get a bit of focus, get away from uh, just the, the hustle and bustle of, of the, the home life. And um, uh, yeah, just be able to hone it in for a few days. But other than that, no, it was just kind of another another week, another day at the job, um, all day long, and just keep keep moving forward, staying healthy. Um, yeah, can't can't say that enough. Uh, just had a talk with my coach uh, just this morning. I'm like, let's stay healthy, let's stay healthy. Like that's a, like I'm just so worried. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, just the, the Kona, the heat, we went out, um, the Sunday before we drove out to St. George Kona is a little bit more preparation. I feel that heat and humidity is something that is really hard to mimic. I mean, unless you live, unless you live in it, that's just really hard to do, um, elsewhere. So, uh, Kona will be a little bit more more time before the race but uh st george i just wanted to get there early just because we're driving so that we could um have an extra day or two uh just not in the car awesome cool um marilyn do you have any other questions over there no i think i think we've taken a ton of your time and i i really appreciate you know, you being willing to jump off after such a big race and heading to travel right away. So taking the time for us, really appreciate it. And it's always, you know, fun to chat with you and um, really appreciate your insights and giving us like, you know, what it felt like to actually be out there and being so open and candid and man, congratulations, like huge performance. And I think it's going to be fun to watch you race through the rest of the year for sure. Oh, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. And Zana said it was nice to finally meet you for the first time. I know. Oh my for as, God. For as, much as we've like, known, for as long as we've known each other. Yeah. That's what I said to her. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Cause I've known you for how many years now? I mean, basically since you started and 
I've yeah. heard heard you sing her praises, and she's she's absolutely as lovely as you said. So that's um, it was really great to spend a little bit of time with her. We'll definitely when I come to visit in July, we'll all have to hang out a bit more. Awesome, look forward to it. Cool, thanks so much, Chris. Awesome, yeah, thank you, yeah, and good luck at your races. Thank you.